in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Pelton. I have a great show for you today. We talk about a new recording of Lou Reed's metal machine music. We sit in with an audio mixer at a baseball game and we go back in time to a historic train exhibition. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The News with Nina Paula. Berlin. German President Horst Köhler gave his second Berlin address, pointing out that the country was witnessing a creeping divide between the rich and the poor, he said. Germany is not an effective and future-oriented state based on social justice at the moment. The inequality in the distribution of income in Germany has increased, job security has diminished and people's working lives are subject to change. Continuing the social theme, he said, the country needed to improve school performance. Germany's education system is not performing as well as those of some other Western industrialized states, Köhler argued. Vienna The Austrian police has arrested a second man in connection with Monday's attempted bomb attack on the US Embassy in Vienna. The man was arrested on the basis of information given by a Bosnian man detained after trying to enter the US Embassy with a bag containing nails and explosives. The first suspect told police that he had been instructed to deliver the bag to the embassy by the second man, also a Bosnian national. A senior security official told a news conference that the second suspect had denied any involvement in the case and that a search of his home did not yield any more evidence. Wiesbaden Germany's federal police is admitting that most of its founding members had blood on their hands as active members of Hitler's brutal security apparatus. The BKA, the equivalent of the FBI in the US, has invited historians to research its origins after World War II. The president of the BKA, Jörg Zierke, has said the aim wasn't to point fingers, but to analyze what role former Nazi organization members played in setting up the new force and to what extent it was damaged in the process. It's the first time one of the Germany's security services is examining its own history, but there may be more to come. Berlin. Three Greeks have been attacked and beaten up by 12 skinheads in the Pankow district of eastern Berlin. A police spokesman said 11 men and one woman had been detained. Some of them faced charges of bodily harm, disturbing the peace and robbery. Two of the three Greeks were taken to hospital after the attack. Racist attacks on foreigners occur frequently in eastern Germany, prompting anti-racist campaigners and the Central Council of Jews in Germany to warn that parts of the region are becoming no-go areas for ethnic minorities. And now to really nice news from Berlin. Knut's best friend, zookeeper Thomas Dörflein, has been awarded Berlin's Medal of Merit. 
Berlin Mayor Klaus Wowereit gave the medal to Dörflein in honor of his round-the-clock tireless work hand-rearing the world-famous Polar Bear Cup from a Guinea pig-sized baby to the powerful young brute he is today. The keeper who has worked for the Berlin Zoo for the last 26 years became a celebrity himself through his daily appearances with Knut in the months after the shaggy youngster was first shown to an adoring public in March. The way the two played together delighted the hundreds of thousands of visitors who flocked to the zoo. Meanwhile, Knut is a large bear with over 80 kilograms. He has an enclosure all to himself and spends all day there without Dörflein. But for now, the two pals still play together in the mornings before the zoo opens. Metal Machine Music by Lou Reed is considered an unhearable piece of music. When Reed released it, the record label just stored it away. But it circulated somehow and was considered a pioneering work of art. Now the Berlin-based project Zeitkratzer released their version of Metal Machine Music. Radio Goethe music reporter Raphael Smasoch listened in. I was in love with the feedback from guitars. I was living in a loft where I had all the instruments and the amplifiers. And I had found a tuning that I liked, and I liked to put the guitar, lean it against the amplifier, and it would play itself. So I became interested in recording that because I really liked the guitar so much and I wanted to do something that wasn't a song. At the peak of his career in the year 1975, Lou Reed released the composition Metal Machine Music, a 60 minutes long double album which consisted only of electronically manipulated guitar feedbacks. Pure noise, a ruthless experiment which still has not lost its sonic radicality and nearly ended Lou Reed's career as a professional musician. The record company was very worried that people who liked Walk on the Wild Side would see this and buy it, and it was the opposite. This almost ended my career. And there's all kinds of rumors about this record, that I made the record to get out of contract, that it was a joke, that I didn't really like it, that it was blah, 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 blah. I really loved it, that's why I'm here. It came out for three weeks, and they took it off the market, and it had the largest number of returns. Just for your own information, in recording contracts today, they have a clause called the Metal Machine Music. That means that the artist must turn in a record that sounds like the artist that the record company s signed. In spite of this debacle, Lou Reed received a second chance. Connie Island Baby, the follow-up to Metal Machine Music, showed his ability for classical singer-songwriter arrangements again. The musical cacophony of Metal Machine Music was forgotten. His record company, RCA, simply took the album off the market. Since then, Metal Machine Music circulated as a bootleg version, only known to collectors of musical obscurities. With the rise of industrial music in the 80s, a new form of noise music, which was a formative genre for contemporary experimental musics, Metal Machine Music won more and more significance. Wenn man sich jetzt überlegt, dass dieses Stück 
von If you think about the fact that this composition is from 1975, then you have to admit that it must be a classic. Noise music or industrial music had not happened yet. Taking metal machine music seriously, one has to recognize its anticipatory power for seeing important musical streams which would occur much later. You can choose whether it is only random noise or a kind of noise which was important and trendsetting. Reinhold Friedel, the pianist and art director of the Berlin-based Zeitkratzer Ensemble, recognized the far-reaching aesthetical consequences of Lou Reed's experiment. He was fascinated by metal machine music because of its visionary aspect, anticipating countless musical developments. When Lou Reed recorded the first tones of his radical sound journey, the tradition of pop and rock music simply did not possess a comparable work. Even today the musical grammar of this composition is still to be found in countless genres of rock music. The screaming guitar solos of heavy metal fluctuate within the shrilling feedback assaults, just as the raw boorishness of punk music. The Zeitkratzer Ensemble first met in 1997 and has been officially established in 1999. It gained its reputation by shamelessly ignoring musical styles and borders. We did collaborations with rock and electronic musicians, but also with people from the academic new music spectrum. A basic idea was to take musicians from different aesthetical backgrounds. That means not only new music interpreters or only jazz players or solely improvisers, but people who are open to new ideas. Elektronik machen, sondern doch Musiker, die über die Tellerränder ihre jeweiligen Herkunft hinausschauen. The Zeitkratzer Ensemble knows no genre borders. On the one hand, it is working in the terrain of new music, and on the other hand, focusing its attention on experimental musics, which are happening aside of the academical spectrum. Traditional compositions by John Cage or Karl-Heinz Stockhausen are interpreted with Creative Dash by the 12-headed musician team. But Zeitkratzer are not playing just notes from sheets. All compositions receive an individual interpretation, shedding light on new and formerly unheard musical aspects. Zeitkratzer evolve new playing techniques, extending the sonic repertoire of each instrument. They also amplify their acoustic instruments to make even the frailest sounds audible. In the past, these working methods have enabled them to conquer the minimalist sound sculptures of Carsten Nikolai or devote themselves to the harsh noise infernos of Masami Akita alias Merzbo. From this point it was only a small step to the transformation of Lou Reed's metal machine music.
The principle behind Metal Machine music is very simple. First of all, Lou Reed leans a guitar tuned in just intonation against an amplifier. Then he takes a second guitar and leans it against another amplifier. The guitar feedbacks start to have an effect on each other and continue to develop new feedbacks. The results are recorded and later layered to a gigantic sound mass. The question is now, how did the Zeitkratzer Ensemble manage to interpret an electronic composition with an acoustic equipment? With an instrumental lineup of strings, wind players, percussions and piano, the Zeitkratzer Ensemble covers Lou Reed's metal machine music. In the first instance, Zeitkratzer determine sound pitches within the original noise structure. Then they transmit the results to a traditional score with conventional notes. To approach the electrical sound of the original, they amplify their instruments with contact microphones. Out of Lou Reed's thick feedback masses, Zeitkratzer work out melodies, overtones and rhythmic structures. One can lose itself in them, wander from one sonic event to the next, or just enjoy the hypnotic character of this physical composition. The first time I played metal machine music I thought I was going crazy. Sitting in this pure noise, which is very differentiated and precisely tuned, I had the feeling, and I must admit, the first time I was very irritated, that this kind of composition is completely listenable from start to end, just like a track by Mozart. You can stroll around in there. It's like a thick forest, a clear spruce forest. It wasn't meant to just be a cacophony of noise. It wasn't to be a tonal end, put you off. It was what I like about rock. Freed from a song. I wanted to have a longer piece and not have to worry about it being a song. And just enjoy the guitars. I'm a guitarist. There are melodies in there, and I just meant that let yourself listen to it, you would hear these melodies flying around, and it wasn't just an assault on you, some, some real atonal attack, it was more complex than that.
Have you ever wondered what audio guys have to do at major sports events? A good friend of mine, Derek Hirsch, is one of them, covering from the A's in Oakland to the Sharks in San Jose all major sports games in the San Francisco Bay Area. He even went to the last Olympics in Greece to capture the sound at some events. Here is his little introduction to the work of a professional audio mixer. Try to pull the ball and try to find the hole. Left center. Murphy back, still going back, and it is gone. Right over the FSN Bay Area sign, a two-run homer for Switcher. That is what you would have heard in the bottom of the third inning on September 13, 2007, had you been watching the Oakland A's game versus the Texas Rangers on TV. Hi, my name is Derek Hirsch, and I am a sports television audio mixer. What I'd like to show the listeners is what I hear every day at work. My plan is to dissect the symphony of sounds I hear all at once while I'm mixing into the individual voices and noises, starting with the announcers, Glenn Kuyper on play-by-play and Ray Fossey on color. There's the sign the third base coach will give to the hitter, and that is simply get him over. Any way you can, you get him over. Get the runner over from second to third. Those guys will try to pull the ball and try to find the hole. Left center. Murphy back, still going back, and it is gone. Wow. Right over the FSN Bay Area sign, a two-run homer for Swisher. Next comes the stereo wash of crowd and bat crack. These two parts are what you hear at home. In my little room, where I adjust the audio levels, I also hear the intercom, or PL. Most important of all those voices are the director and the producer. So I put those voices into individual speakers so I can hear them separate from the roar of the game noise. Here now, on the right, Tommy adds to the director and David Coppett, the producer, on the left. Card 13, Grady. The Marines tell me when we get a no chance outs. to do it is on the pitcher Three for two. half reveal. Take two. Close your eyes and imagine you see over. the cameras Ready cutting five. to show game action. Ready? Oh, what do you want to take one? Very nice. Ready four. Tick four. Ready nine. Tick nine. Ready one. Tick one. You got it down. You know, widen out. You'll have four ground crowd. Ready uh, five. Tick five. Ready seven. Tick seven. We'll do replay them all. He hit that ball hard. We'll go Elvis Ready and four. Y then real speed A and if we have time. Tick right. four. Ready two. I was First inning on the Ready left, five. third inning on the right. Tick five. And. Home run pitch to Ben Elvis. Ready five. Take and five. Nope. Ready seven. And Elvis. Take seven. Stand by replay Elvis. Fly Elvis. Mix Swisher on uh, three then and y. five in the corner. Stand by Y. Roll wide is off. Then red. Stand by red. Roll red is off. Then real speed A, track and A. Stand by to track A. Roll eight is off. Track. Stand by to fly to uh, three, fly three, track it out. When the producer refers to Elvis, he's not referring to the king. He's referring to a EVS, which is a Belgium-based, tapeless, TiVo-like device that records the game action to be played back at different speeds. This is what I hear when a home run happens. There's all those sounds. There's the director, the producer, the announcers, the game effects, the rest of the intercom. Listen to this and try and pick out the individual we'll voices. The over from second to third. Card 13. The Marines tell me when we get a chance yeah, to do it is on the pitcher. Ball and try to find the hole. Left center. Murphy back. Still going back. 
Get it is good. Right over the FSN Bay Area side. Listening in this world is almost like a Zen type of awareness. To be able to hear so many things at once, I have to listen through sounds, not necessarily to sounds. I hope this helps you enjoy the postseason baseball you'll watch on television. Thanks. This is Audio Goethe Magazine. Not only children love the sound and the look of a steam-hauled railway. Historic trains are fascinating for people all over the world. To see such an old train is like going back to former times, when women were wearing long dresses and men had top hats on their heads, running through the steam to reach the train. The city of Fürth, which just turned a thousand years old, recently hosted an exhibition with historical trains to celebrate the city's anniversary. Our Radio Goethe reporter Nina Paula talked to Walter Landgraf, the manager of this event. Fürth has written some kind of train history. What is the story about? Well, it's a quite uh, simple story. Uh, Fürth was uh, uh, the city which was first reached uh, by a train in Germany. It was the track between Nuremberg and Fürth. But it wasn't the uh, English people who invented the trains? Uh, that's correct. Uh, it was also that uh, the Germans um, had an engineer who uh, um, was also the um, railway um, chief of this uh, first Adler. So today and tomorrow there's a big show here in Fürth with all kind of trains you can imagine. What kind of trains do you show here? Well, of course, it's the Adler, not uh, the original one, of course. Uh, but uh, we've also got one of the powerful uh, steam locomotives here in uh, all over Europe, which has been shown. We have also got the, the new one, the modern lock. So this means uh, we uh, paint the history of the railway from the beginning up to now. Can you tell a story to one of those trains and can you perhaps describe how it looks like so I can imagine if I cannot see the train? 
Well, I just told you about uh, this uh, most powerful lock which was ever built in, in Germany. And there's a quite sad story about this one. Because uh, uh, it was burned out uh, in a big fire two years ago. And that's the story why we do this event now. Because we want to raise money to help the DB Museum in Nuremberg uh, to restore it, this locomotive. How does it look like before it burned? Well, as a large, huge and uh, uh, the largest one which was ever built in Germany. Is there another story about the train you show here today? Uh, yes, uh, I just told that uh, we got uh, historic locomotives here and also modern ones. And uh, we got the fastest locomotive uh, here in Fürth, uh, which uh, had a higher speed of uh, 357 kilometers per hour and it was built by Siemens. Regarding speed, um, how long did it take when the Adler drove first from Nuremberg to Fürth, which is seven kilometers away, I think, and how long does it today take? It was about, uh, let's say, half an hour uh, uh, to uh, three quarters of an hour, and now it's about seven minutes. So it's very, very fast now. How do you see the development of trains and the train driving since the Adler started here driving? This was the beginning of the industrialization in Germany. So uh, all over the country uh, there was uh, economic prosperity and uh, the railway, as elsewhere in other countries too, uh, was the motor, in fact, of uh, economic power. Today everybody's talking about climate change and uh, stopping to drive a car. Why do you think, um, especially we Germans, uh, cannot avoid driving our cars? Well, it's something quite individual, driving a car on, uh, on my own. But I think it's also a special uh, story when you uh, come together with other people in the train, when you learn them to know and you have uh, uh, companions for, let's say, just two or three hours. And you think it's, the people like that more than sitting alone in their car and listening to their favorite music? Perhaps not in Germany, but I think uh, uh, driving by the railway is something more like uh, yeah, mingle together. And South Europeans do this uh, even more than we in the Northern Europe. How do you see in general the de development of traffic? Well, I see that traffic will uh, not be in the future, will be not any longer some kind of individual driving. Because, uh, as you can see also in Germany, uh, there are many traffic jams, for example, and uh, now trains are even faster. When you want to drive from Nuremberg to, to Munich, you need something like, uh, like an hour. When you drive by car, uh, between one and a half hour and two hours. So, when uh, our um, uh, society is getting faster and faster, I think the uh, railway is the fastest way to connect cities. You already said it, it's, it's getting faster, the trains are getting much faster. But where's the fascination about these old trains? Why are people looking rather back than forward? Well, there's some, some kind of uh, romantic feelings uh, which are accorded to this uh, locomotive. Well, it's built by, yeah, let's say by, by manufactured, by engineers, and it was, uh, uh, you can see the power, and uh, they are painted in this uh, uh, really dark, uh, black normally and well, it's something special about it. Do you have already talked to people here? What do they like most? Uh, okay, uh, as I told, uh, the old ones are the favorites, but also these modern locomotives and modern trains uh, are also interesting for the people. I think children love more the locomotives with the steam and all that. 
<laughs> that's right, that's right. And uh, as you can see, many children are here with their parents. What do you like most? Well, I think I'm, uh, I like most uh, the new one, which I told, uh, uh, the fastest locomotive in the world with 357 kilometers power. Okay, so thank you very much. Thank you. That was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Thanks for listening and please find us online at radiogoethe.org. I'm Arndt Peltner. Eine Insel mit zwei Bergen und dem tiefen, weiten Meer. Mit viel Tunnels und Geleisen und dem Eisenbahnverkehr. Nun, wie mag die Insel heißen? Ringsherum ist schöner Strand. Jeder sollte einmal reisen in das schöne Lummerland. Mit zwei Bergen und dem Fotoatelier. In den letzten macht man Bilder auf den ersten Dolieux. Diese Breiten, diese Tiefen, diese Höhen sind bekannt. Und man spricht von den Motiven auf dem schönen Nummerland. Zwei Bergen und dem Fernsprechtelefon. Wählt man nur die richtige Nummer, klappt auch die Verbindung schon. Hallo, hier ist falsch verbunden. Wollen Sie sich jetzt beschweren? Nein, warum? Das kann passieren. Also dann auf Wiederhören. Zwei Bergen und der Laden von Frau Was. Husten, Bonbons, alles Kleber, Regenschirme, Leberkas, Körbe, Hüte, Lampen, Bürste, Blumenkohl und Fensterglas, Lederhosen, Kuckucksuchen und noch dies und dann noch das.